Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast. Brought to you by RosterWatch.com. I am Alex Dunlap here with Byron Lambert. And this is the week two waiver wire edition of the pod where we'll be talking over what you need to be doing on what should be a busy night or I guess a busy couple of nights, depending on where you're playing, what platform you're playing on of waiver claims, some um, some some big some big performers in week one and a lot of roster churn that we're going to need to get going uh, here at the very bottom of our rosters and on our benches to make sure that we have the most viable candidates to possibly break out through the course of the season and uh, so we can start to really, really, really cultivate some of that depth for later on in the season whenever the system will call for us to take that depth and to try and consolidate it into uh, through trades, et cetera, into just the most epic starting lineup that we possibly can for the fantasy playoffs. With all that said, uh, thanks to everybody for the ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We got up to 400. We gave out free pro memberships to three of you guys that we reached out to via DM. So uh, congratulations to you all. Once we get to 500, we'll be giving out three more pro memberships to rosterwatch.com. So if you please could give this rating, give this podcast a rating and a five-star rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to support the podcast even more, go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership. We will be talking today about the waiver wire cheat sheet uh, available to our pro members at rosterwatch.com. Of course, we're not going to give away the exact uh, structure of the sheet because that is for pro members, but we will talk about kind of different tiers and players that we're looking at, players that you should be considering for your waiver wires this week. And it's an important week of waivers, Byron. Uh, a lot of people saying that they don't think it's that big and flashy a week on on, on waivers. I kind of disagree. Yeah, I would definitely disagree with that, which would be an unusual stance for us. We're usually very thrifty and frugal and prudent on the waiver wire annually especially early in the season and that's still the orientation orientation that we would uh suggest that you take kind of big picture but this is certainly you know it's a big burly week one and you know you can always make the case for i think you see a lot of your league mates spending big early in the season uh often incorrectly Uh, i would say this year man happens to be a case where there's actually some pretty good Uh, pretty enticing players at the top of the waiver wire this week whether you want to spend on them or not you're going to have to uh, make a little bit of a personal decision about how you want to manage that budget Uh, however this year if you want any of these guys that are coming out hot a week one you're definitely going to have to come out of the gate strong with your bids or your waiver claims that's just the way that this thing is shaping up so super excited to be here live on the podcast taking in uh, all the week one snap counts as they've hit the snap counts touches and targets tool over at rosterwatch.com and we can use those as we continue to break down um the waiver wire for heading into week two and you know alex you know what it's like man being down in the throes of putting these tools together this is a big burly one so i'm super excited to hear your impressions as well if you saw a hundred dollars on the street would you pick it up or would you keep walking of course you'd take the money so why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Look, I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with my bookie if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football this season, bet with my bookie. Did you know that you can bet on NFL games after kickoff? So if by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. 
If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Double! Double your first deposit. But you have to use the promo code ROSTER to activate the offer. That's promo code ROSTER. R-O-S-T-E-R. Visit MyBookie.ag today. That is MyBookie.ag. Promo code ROSTER. You play. You win. You get paid. Yeah, and, and and we'll get to all of it. We'll go position by position. But before we do, I think I don't I don't want to bury the lead here. And I think what you're going to get here on this podcast might be a little bit different than some other podcasts that you could listen to or some content that you could listen to where certain players are at the top. I mean, to me, I just I don't want to bury the lead, and I just want to talk a little bit about how good tight Detroit tight end T.J. Hawkinson looked in his uh, first matchup there at Arizona last week. If just if you look at the number of targets, you look at the snap count, such as in targets, Tool Byron, nine targets, six receptions for 131 yards and a touchdown on 73% of snaps. That's a that's a higher snap rate than I can remember in recent years for any of these any of these Detroit Lions tight ends. And that guy is geez, just he is such a beast. He's a pleasure to watch play. He's big. He is fast. He's explosive. He has incredible hands. He has terrific run after the catch. His vision in the open field is second to none. He looks like a young, fast Rob Gronkowski. And I just I know that so many of us, if you don't have that Evan Ingram, if you don't have that, you know Travis Kelsey or uh, you know George Kittle, you know that Zach Ertz, maybe that Jared Cook, that you know T.J. Hawkinson this week could be a, I mean he could be a real big pickup for you down the stretch, and I I love it that you know as far as the way that the cheat sheet looks, Byron, it looks like that you have made him a big time priority. Um, this week for our for our drafters and whenever they get in there they can see the kind of the free agent acquisition budgets that we would allocate for these particular players the order that we put them in if we're just on a regular um kind of revolving wavered basis but man tj Hawkinson nine targets i mean outside of danny amendola and kenny galladay who had 13 and nine targets respectively tj Hawkinson had as many targets as the rest of the lions team combined can, i mean can you believe i he had, he, he had as many targets as Marvin Jones, Kerryon Johnson, J.D. McKissick, and Jesse James, C.J. Anderson, and Ty Johnson combined. It's just he's a, he's a huge critical part of that offense already. He completely looks the part. I wanted one week to see it because we always need a week out of these rookie tight ends. Uh, just your thoughts on T.J. Hawkinson. I mean, Alex, you know I've been hitting you with this one for a long, long time. I know. Long that's why I now. wanted to tee this call, one up right from call, the beginning. Call me the least yeah. surprised person in the entire industry the industry you had to be a little you had to be a little surprised because he we, we couldn't expect this sort of breakout from a rookie tight end and i mean it's, it very well could be his best game of the season I'm, I'm of course you're a little surprised right out of the gate but i'm i'm not i'm not surprised man i mean we have so much exposure to tj hawkinson on the standard and 0.5 ppr draft cheat sheet at rosterwatch.com i've been telling you for weeks how much i want hawkinson late i i took him as my keeper late in one of our uh, you know, biggest le- leagues and the trap that the industry fell into was a bunch of group th- think and the old platitude here that, you know, a rookie tight end and this and this and that, and that Matthew Stafford doesn't like tight ends and yada, 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 yada. And I tried to remind all you guys, man, this isn't just about like the first round uh, tight ends coming in and not doing well in the NFL as rookies or this guy being 
the top tight end in this draft class. TJ Hawkinson was a generational tight end prospect. It was just an entirely different story. And Noah Fant, not far off the, the track either. We can get to him later. You know, so Hawkinson, the main thing is he's got the enormous three down capability. He's got all the potential to be in for a massive snap count for the lions on the season. And I, I just said all along, he is going to be the best receiver on the team. Like that's pretty damn obvious to me just watching his film come out of college. So yeah, TJ Hawkinson, it might've been his best game this season. He, I'm looks, sure, like, he looks better in the pros than he looked in college somehow. I don't a, know how he's an absolute freak, right? And so tight end <laughs> is one of those situations that's so hard to shore up. This could be a lot like getting George Kittle at the end of your draft last year. Uh, I mean, it's definitely or free agency. Like if you're in a keeper league, man, TJ Hawkinson, my, my, my wife is in one of these keeper leagues where you could get to keep the guys you've got in free agency for like a 14th round pick. And I mean, as I'm looking over the players that are going to be available, there are a bunch of players that look like they're going to be really good rentals, you know, maybe really good rentals or, or players that we can, um, we can use with the intent of, you know, let's just you are Hawkinson. You're going to have to come in strong. Alex. Yeah, you're going to yeah. have to come in really. You think really you strong? Think 30 listen, per, do you think 30 percent of your budget on 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 Hawk? I'm not sure, man. Tight end is such a difficult position to solve that people are Jones in to solve this problem, and he's one of the few guys that you actually feel really confident early in the season. Like if I pick this dude up. He's not going to deliver every week because most tight ends don't. He's still going to be subject to the streakiness that a lot of guys are at the top. Even some of the you know top tight ends in the league are you know. But uh, you, I think you pick up T.J. Hawkins and your tight end problems are over for the year. You just plug him in and you play him every year, and that's that's worth a whole lot to fantasy players, especially in keeper leagues. And we'll get back to tight ends. Let's just transition over to running backs because I was saying some of these guys you're just going to be picking up as a maybe as a rental or as a handcuff. Take Gio Bernard, for example. Uh, Joe Mixon, we're not sure whether or not he's going to be able to go versus the 49ers this week. They're acting like he should be able to go. Um, Chris Thompson, we don't know what's up with Darius Geis. Uh, he could be in line for like an uptick there. Same thing with Adrian Peterson. These are players who, once Darius Geis comes back, we've already seen that Jay Gruden wants to run the offense there through guys, but if guys can't get healthy now, it's a different ACL. He's getting plasma-rich platelet injections. I always hate hearing about that. Um, whereas, you know, if you if, if if you're in a keeper league and you can manage to pick up a guy like T.J. Hawkinson, you could get a stud for the rest of the year at your tight end position and be able to keep somebody that could have a George Kittle like uh, like year this year and uh, one that you're just going to be loving to keep whenever he's going in like the fourth round or something of drafts next season. Who knows? It's a long season ahead of us, but man, oh man, does that guy look good. But all right, anyway, so back to the running backs. Um, You know, we touched on Peterson, we touched on Chris Thompson, we touched on Gio Bernard. I view those guys as, like you, Byron, I view those guys as maybe in a tier below some of these others, like the, I'd just just be interested here. your thoughts on Ronald Jones. To me, he looked like the best running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yesterday. Certainly the best game I've ever, I've remember seeing out of him at the pro level. The only issue was only 31% of snaps. He did get the one target, the 14 touches, 93 yards on him, but only 31% of snaps. Whereas we saw Dare Ogunbowale 
get the uh, five targets in the receiving game. We saw Peyton Barber get four targets in the receiving game. Ronald Jones, though, as far as a pure runner, he looks like the best that they have. Do you think that we could see this thing continue to evolve? And what's Ronald Jones going to need to do to you know, hop up and take this job outright? Can he? I'm not sure. I'm glad you talked me into holding him, though, last week. I had a tough waiver decision to make. And, you know, the concerns are, look, I've said it since we were at Bucks camp. I mean, very clearly, Ronald Jones has the most juice in the open field of any of these running backs. So you think that at some point the Bucks just may be forced to go to him. If that's if that, that's what would have to happen. I mean, that's the way this thing would have to unfold for him to ascend to you know, a more solidified position at the top of a, a committee, a lead guy at a committee. You know, the problem is I, he, he definitely has bulked up, Alex. So, I mean, I was very impressed with how much he bulked up. So as much as Peyton Barber, I think, is better in short yardage, you know, let's call that a draw a little bit because Ronald Jones is bulked up. Where the problem is, is his pass protection. It's just Peyton Barber is far superior. We saw it at camp. It was as clear as day at camp. It took me about five minutes to figure that out at camp. And since then, we've seen our good friends like Trevor Sykema and Jenna Lane who cover that beat, you know, putting out a you know similar narrative. I think Sykema was tweeting out videos early this morning of how good Peyton Barber was in pass protection. And, you know, your guy, Agunba Wale, uh, is, that's just too many snap counts, man. 39%, right? So you get concerned – you get concerned, but Ronald Jones, I mean, on that offense, he's got the most juice. Barber and Agunbawale really don't offer that much, man, other than just, you know, they don't they just don't offer much playmaking ability, right? So your hope is that you pick up Ronald Jones as the guy who's got the most juice, looked the best, and that with the way this Bucks offense was looking, they their hand will be kind of forced. They won't have a choice but to start giving Ronald Jones more touches. Is it a foregone conclusion? Yeah, it's far from that. But um, he, he's definitely worth picking up if you need a running back. As, he as can I'm be a flex. At, he can right. be a flex. As I'm looking about the running back, as I'm looking at the running back week on waivers, though, it's it's, it's becoming clear to me that I think it's you know when I thought it was going to be a strong week on waivers, I think it has more to do with these wide receivers and a couple of the tight ends than it does with anything with a bunch of sure surefire long-term stock at the running back position I think one of those guys maybe moving forward could be Carlos Hyde who looked good last night looks like he had one target and 11 touches for 85 yards on 37 percent of snaps that's a 37-63 split with Duke Johnson though as this Houston Texans offense gets going I think that they're going to be down there in position to score you know, down close to the goal line. And when they do, it seems pretty obvious to me that they'll probably have Carlos Hyde in there. He looks better than he has looked in the last couple of years. At least he did last night versus the Saints. Um, do you, are you picking up Carlos Hyde and thinking that, you know, moving forward, you could have a kind of squeamish, you know, standalone sort of flex play that, you know, you might not be able to get in during the times you're at full strength, but maybe in case of an injury or in case of bye weeks, he's the kind of guy that you could go to. Yeah, it's not sexy, but if you need running back help, I think you have no choice but to take a long look at Carlos Hyde. I mean, really, you're investing in Deshaun Watson and the Texans' offense, and I mean, just him and Duke Johnson. That's at least what the team made pretty clear last night. That's the way it looked. And to your point, Alex, and I mean, Carlos Hyde, he he looked better than you might have expected last night. So if that's the way he's going to look, and that offense is going to come 
out firing like that, man, I, you know, if I need running back help, I'm, 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 I'm thinking long and hard tonight about putting a claim in for Carlos Hyde. Like what, seven point eight yards a touch, something like that. Eight so yards a carry or something. I mean, my lord. Um. Okay. So some other guys, you know, just. Raheem Mostert, we don't know what's going to happen. So Tevin Coleman has the high ankle sprain. Matt Breida, as always, is spending a bunch of time in the tent. He should be good to go, but Raheem Mostert is the king of the preseason. He's always been making us money in preseason DFS. And I've always wondered, why, like, why didn't, it, why, why didn't the team like him during the regular season, having won the 53? Um, whenever you look at the snap counts from the uh, 49ers game, I think that they're probably a little bit <clears> – <throat> I mean, they're different than they will look just because Tevin Coleman accounted for 26% of snaps. But Mostert in this game had about 30% of snaps. Breida had about 44% of snaps. I think that this thing could click up to like a Matt Breida, Mostert 60-40 while Tevin Coleman's out. They could give him a little bit of value. Um, I kind of put him in the same bucket as you do with you know some of these guys that we talked about earlier. Uh, I think that, you know, if you're thinking about putting in a claim for Carlos Hyde, Ronald Jones, Mostert, I think also Malcolm Brown sort of falls in that same category. I was a little bit surprised that Malcolm Brown wasn't a bit higher up on this initial one. Um, was it just be, it didn't seem like Todd Gurley got 70% of the snaps, did it? But he did. It's just that Malcolm Brown just got the really high calorie, good stuff down there at the goal line twice. And he looked really good during the time that he was in there. I just wonder, you know, when and if there is a point in time where Todd Gurley's not 100% or we get to week three and it wouldn't have been enough to just keep him off of the off of the game day active list, but enough to where he really is hindered like he was down the stretch last season. I think that Malcolm Brown could be a rich man, C.J. Anderson. So I think that he's a really interesting pickup right now. And well, if anything a- were to happen to Todd Gurley, then, then of course, it's, it's completely wheels up. That's, that's a say. That's a good spin to put on it. I, I thought Malcolm Brown looked really good, and there was a lot of positives that came out of the games from Malcolm Brown. I just think it's hard to spend a lot on Malcolm Brown unless you're a Todd Gurley owner. So that would kind of explain my initial positioning of Malcolm Brown in the you know the waiver wire tool. But you know, we've made a, a what I'd consider a pretty minor adjustment. They are tw- there are 21 total of these uh, of these running backs here on the uh on the cheat sheet in exact order that we would take them and also with our recommendations or recommendations for the fab budget to spend on them available to our pro members at rosterwatch.com let's go over these 27 wide receivers that you talked about and i mean my biggest question for you coming in i agree with all these guys at the very top i think that one thing that we could talk about internally is getting jamison crowder up there i mean Jamison Crowder, I think he caught more footballs than Marquise Brown had even. Um, didn't do any much snaps, with them. Snap, snaps right. in the game, right. But he didn't he – didn't Like the most catches in NFL history, yeah. sub 100 yards. I mean, it would make Jarvis Landry proud or jealous, you know. A ton but of volume. I'm not he, sure he'll ever get that yards. many targets again the rest of the season. 17 but targets. How many, how, how, how many snaps did Marquise Brown have? Marquise Brown only had 18% of snaps. Yeah. I thought it was like only 12 snaps. It was like you a can't start talking about whether we want Jamison Crowder more than Marquise Brown, though. I mean, no, his name is I'm Hollywood for a reason, dude. I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not saying he that. Came what I'm out saying like is nuclear weapon. The only, the, only the, the, uh, the, the four guys that you have at the very top 
or four that I knew that you were going to have at the very top. I just figured that Jamison Crowder would be sort of mixed in there with those guys just because of the – maybe it's just in, in, in PPR where we were getting him a whole lot there in the ninth and the tenth round of the latest edition of the cheat sheets. This was something that we've kind of saw coming – and, I, I, and this has to be a bit of a half point PPR tool to split the hairs. I mean, could you really go to bed at night spending that high? You know, I could spend 10 percent of budget on James and Crowder, I think. Well, look at where he's at. I'm suggesting more than that on Crowder. Okay. I mean, I'm I, I, suggesting that you can spend more than that on Crowder if you want to. I just think if you push him up to those top guys, what they're going to cost to get if you want them, I just I can't go to sleep putting that kind of bid in on Jamison Crowder. How much do you trust John Ross and what he was able to do? We talked about T.J. Hawkinson just looking good. John Ross just looked good versus the Seattle Seahawks this last week. Um, he just he looked like a different player. I don't know if it was just the number, you know, having a new number now. Like he's he's wearing eleven now and not fifteen. I don't know if that was it. I don't know if it was just you know, dude. Maybe it's maybe it's the new offensive scheme. I mean, but geez, twelve targets, seven seven receptions for one fifty eight and two touchdowns on eighty two percent of snaps. I mean, you played the second most snaps on the team. Well, this is a good time to mention that we, when we use the waiver wire sheet, you know, personally, you know, it's not often that we are going after the top guys on the sheet. And our own leagues. I mean, listen, you you got to use at least a little bit of discretion here. I mean, certainly you have the license to go after the top guys on the sheet, and they're guys that have a lot of appeal. And uh, you know, we're recommending what you know how to go after them. You know, how how much capital could be required to go after those guys. But I mean, certainly, you know, best practice over the long haul in the season is always to be looking for value, you know, and towards the bottom of the sheet and kind of cultivating that over the season, you'll see these guys rise up the sheet as the weeks pass. Some of the guys who are the cheaper bids this week, undoubtedly they're going to be in a more expensive tier next week. So if you're a smart waiver wire uh, player, that's what you'll do is you'll, you'll, you'll really look for the value at the bottom of the sheet. So what I'm saying is you, you don't always have to go after the top guys on the sheet. You know, we have the top guys have to be on the sheet, of course, because they're very popular for a good reason this week. But you don't always have to go after the top guys on the sheet. And as, a matter, as a matter of fact, you know, we would recommend that you rarely go after the top guys on the sheet and you put way more of your focus into picking off the high value guys that you can be had for cheap every single week and kind of recycling, you know, one or two spots at the bottom of your roster every week using the waiver wire cheat sheet. And that is the best way over the course of the season. And eventually too, once some of your budget's gone in a free agent budget league, you just simply won't be able to go after the top guys on the sheet. So a guy like John Ross, I mean, it's a tough one, right? You have to put him up. If you want him, you're going to have to go freaking get him this week. And there's a lot to like I about him. We- I want him because like I think he's going to be, be, yeah. I think it's gonna be right? better once A.J. Green comes back too. Yeah, it could be a whole new thing with Zach Taylor and just finally the third-year deal for John Ross, who was an electric you know, prospect. But that's why he's at the bottom of the tier that he's at on the sheet, Alex, because I could see people arguing that they'd rather just go after a John Brown or maybe even a Terry McLaurin or one of these other guys that are also going to be deep threats that had pretty nice days rather than go, you know, uh, you know, uh, on a bonanza spending spree on John Ross. 
uh, who you're not, be en- I, you're not entirely sure about John Ross. You asked me how sure I am. I mean, I, I feel good about what I saw, but I'm not entirely sure about John Ross. Yeah, I think if you want John Ross, you got to have to pony up, man. What about Marquise Brown? We have to pony up for Hollywood. Big, 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 big. Yeah, okay. got to pony up for all these top young wide receivers who came out of the gate. Cortland Sutton put on a show last night. Looks like he's going to be a beast. Hollywood Brown, he's going to get more snap counts every week. Uh, you know well, what else? Well, let's what talk about that because he didn't play very many snaps at all. I said, like, I, I was just kind of kidding about Crowder, but I think that might even be true. Like, he really only played like fifteen or sixteen snaps. I think eighteen percent snaps is not much. Do you have any insight about? Like you said that that's what we've been saying all along. I forgot exactly what you had reported from Baltimore camp. Is that what you said? He would be eased in, and then also you figure he's he is coming off the foot. He's a rookie. You get him in there, his first two catches as a rookie are these long touchdowns where he just burns everybody. When when you get up so high and the score is so lopsided against a crappy team like the Dolphins, maybe you're like, oh, he's just coming, kind of coming off the foot. I think he's showing us what he needs to show us. Um, what, what's, the, what's the point of trying to run the wheels off him in, in this game? Let's, let's, let's bring the kid on a little bit slow. Yeah, I felt like Sunday was a microcosm of – Hollywood Brown's entire draft and offseason process, really. I mean, he had the foot uh, coming in through the draft process that limited through the entire draft process. Everybody knew he was going to be limited in training camp even before they drafted him. And, you know, it's one that you you know he's a speed guy, so you wonder, you know, how is that going to jive? And then the Ravens come out. And I, what was he? Wasn't he the first wide receiver taken in the draft, Alex? They surprised yes, everybody. Yes. Take him right Take him right off well, like they, they, they know. It wasn't that big a surprise if you no, look at the Vegas no. lines. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But not, not many folks in our business had Hollywood Brown as number as one. As number one. No, not at all. Right? No, Vegas probably had that about right. So you wonder, God, what do the Ravens know that the rest of us don't? It's just that he's that that is a bad, bad dude. However, he was limited the entire offseason. Still coming off the foot. He was limited just about all of training camp. I mean, the word was, you know, when I was there – uh, what was it about a week or so into August? I mean, he was barely getting any run. He was just very early and starting to get integrated. And, uh, I mean, the talk has been all along that he was going to be just ease Hollywood Brown in at the beginning of the season. So, I mean, if that's what that guy does with 18% snap count. I sure do hate to see what it's going to be like when he gets 50, 60% snap count that Seth Roberts and Chris Moore and these other idiots are getting right now. They get Arizona Willie Steed. I told you Willie Steed was going to come out as Lamar Jackson's probably one of his safety blankets. He got the touchdown. He was the lead snap count participant of the wide receiver group uh, for the Ravens. He'll be, he'll continue to be a sneaky, very sneaky, low, low end uh, play all season. But when you're talking about Chris Moore and Willie Sneed and Seth Roberts, man, it's not going to take long for hollywood brown and this is what the ravens want to do man they don't want to throw complicated intermediate shit man they want to get the ball out quick to the tight ends and the running backs or they want to bomb it deep and make it easy on lamar jackson's like miles boykin and hollywood brown are the perfect guys to do it yeah and uh like i like i said or like i was saying when you're talking they have they have arizona next week so it could be another week where just you know he's going to get loose behind those idiots. up against the Kyler Murray. That that thing could turn into some kind of uh, bonanza. Did you see those Ravens uh, tight end snap counts? By the way, exactly as predicted from 
Ravens camp. Of course, Mark Andrews came out with the big fantasy production, but look at those snap counts, Alex. Uh, I haven't, I haven't pulled them up. I haven't looked at the. Let's just let me just look at them. So Hayden Hurst, fifty six percent. Nick Boyle, fifty six percent. Mark Andrews, forty two percent. So Mark Andrews sure got a lot done. Eight for eight for one hundred eight and a touchdown. My God, and just all these guys are playing nearly fifty percent of snaps half the damn time. They're having two tight ends on the field. Unbelievable. Um, okay, just a just, just a few other things. As my as my bitchy old dog is outside, just staring at me, barking at the window, wanting to come in. Um, if you'll excuse her. The uh, one more thing here from the wide receivers. I mentioned opponents next week. I couldn't help but mention that McCole Hardman. I'm going to be taking some um, executive <laughs> quality control stuff here and getting him up. Just I feel like in the wake of Tyreek Hill, I know he didn't do much once he came in. Um, uh, you know, I just remember that anecdotally. Now that I look at the snap counts, let me just see here. Um, 78% of snaps only targeted once last week, but in a game where you know Sammy Watkins was targeted 11, it was just mate, it was just Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey targeted last week. 19 targets between the two of them, but McCall Hardman was in on 78% of snaps last week. If he takes over the Tyreek Hill role, he's going to have a big touchdown next week versus Oakland. So if you're going to be somebody who, if you're dealing with a Tyreek Hill injury or you're the you're you know dealing with an injury to one of these wide receivers, if you are the Tyreek Hill owner. McCall Hardman would be an excellent pickup right now and somebody who certainly I'll be interested in next week in DFS. So I'll be moving him up the sheet a little bit because I think I like him better than the, you know, the Chris Conleys. And I think you'll be surprised at some of those guys' production when you go look at their snap counts, touches, targets, and and uh, fantasy bottom line. I'm, but I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm with you with that. Ty- not, above, some, not above, not above Con- Dola, but, but I think above Conley. I mean, Conley had a big week. Big week. Yeah, but I mean, it, on the targets, he's the wide receiver for there. Yeah, I get it. The Gardner Minshew. Minshew looked awesome, dude. He did, but he's not going to keep it up. It's just, he's not. He's not. I get it. I get it. I get it. I mean, I, go, go with it. I'm just saying, those guys look a little motley above them, but they all really showed out this week. Um, I'm going to be very interested in getting McCole Hardman on some of my teams <laughs> this week, just at F- FYI. Um, Okay, uh, tight ends. We already talked about T.J. Hawkinson, but also a guy you need to be considering. We've been telling you about. We've been having you draft him as Darren Waller, Oakland Raiders. Um, from just watching the game last night, I believe he was the most tar. He certainly looked like the most targeted Raider, more targeted than even. Yeah, he was more targeted even than Tyrell Williams. Uh, seven receptions for seventy yards on a one hundred percent snap count. Uh, he's going to be the number two receiver there in Oakland moving forward on a team that's going to have to be throwing the piss out of the football because they're going to be behind quite a bit. So uh, Darren Waller, he's he's man, he's fast too, Byron. Yeah, you remember scouting him coming out as a wide receiver and and really liking him as a you know as a late round kind of upside athletic freak type of guy. And so this conversion of tight end, man, that they, I remember there was even a little talk about that coming out. He was so big bodied, so it's kind of come out of no nowhere but i'd say after what i saw last night i have a very very high comfort level that he is seamlessly inheriting the jared cook role and he's going to be just about everything we saw the jared cook last year which was a top five tight end so i mean i i would usually take it a little easy here but when you consider the circumstances in that offense and what we saw i mean it's pretty clear jaron waller is a solid tight end play 
this season. And, you know, again, none of these guys are going to solve your problem every single week, but that's just the nature of tight end. You're not going to find many guys better than Waller. And that's one guy I think if you want him, you're going to have to pay up for him this week. But if you get him, you're pretty much just going to plug him in uh, every week of the season and just alleviate that headache. I, I will say the other tight end here, Alex, that if, if it's me looking for value on this sheet and I don't want to go buck wild on Hawkinson or Waller, or they're already taken or I lose the claim on them or whatever. I really, really think the news outlets like uh, I think Roto World and a couple others that I was perusing through earlier today have the narrative all wrong on Noah Fant. I mean, they're saying like it was kind of a dismal thing and, you know, this and this and that. And I love everything I saw out of Noah Fant last night and everything I heard. And just I like I really think this is shaping up for Noah Fant's going to have some very, very big games this season. And uh, he, he's, he would be my top tight end to go after for very cheap this week and, and, and could potentially be, be your solution on the season at that position as well. I mean, they, the offensive coordinator from Denver talking him up so big. I mean, he was really getting – he got some nice targets. He looks like a beast out there, man. This is going to be a lot of Emmanuel Sanders still who look great. But really, I, I think we're going to see the transition here to uh, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant passing attack and offense here. I mean, that running game was a little bit puny for Denver last night. Let's see. You have the, um, I mean, the, the quarterbacks, it, like you can just go, you guys can go look at the quarterback list. If you need quarterbacks, you're probably in a unique situation where, you know, maybe you're a Kyler Murray owner and you're not disappointed with what you got out of him last week, but maybe you're a little bit worried about seeing what you saw for three quarters and now having to travel up to Baltimore. That's certainly, um, Something where you might want to look elsewhere. Uh, some of these, you know, there are players that Byron has listed here that have good matchups that are still available in a ton of leagues. So go and give them a look. Before we get out of here, Byron, just what about some of these defenses? I see, I see you've mentioned the Texans, who I like. They'll be going up against Jacksonville at home. Gardner Minshew. I know that that defense looks like it sort of sucks, but um, not too many people own the Texans' defense. So. Uh, they could be, you know, of interest. I think that the are the Chiefs on here. Do you put the Chiefs on here? Or they? Yeah. Boy, if they're the playing Chiefs. the Texans, that's a game where Minshew's going to have to throw that damn ball, man. Yeah, the Chiefs are on here. I I, I like that. Um, you know, they're going to be at Oakland, but eventually, you know, eventually Derek Carr and this kind of rinky dink offense is going to have to have to really crack. And then one other one I noticed on here that I liked was who was it maybe it was carolina who do the panthers play next week tampa bay yeah carolina at home against Jameis winston only um what's the own percentage on them right now only about seven percent own i think they might be the most popular waiver wire defensive pickup this week